Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. It's good to be back on a fight week for the UFC. The countdown for UFC 280 is down to the single digits. We've had some interesting things happen over the last couple of weeks. We just found out that we have a main event for UFC 282. We reported back in August that the UFC was leaning towards the rematch between Yuri Prohashka and Glover Teixeira. We thought maybe John Jones could have been in the mix to kind of change up the plans, but it is going down, UFC 282. So we have a main event for that. We've had a lot of other crazy things happen over the last couple of weeks. So I'm excited to discuss some of these topics right here on BTL. We're back to the original format. The competition is on. And this week, Jed Mishu's retirement remains. But luckily, we have a man from the MMA fighting staff who has stepped up to the plate. He's ready to show the world, ready to prove all the doubters wrong. And while his record on this show may not be the most immaculate, the passion he brings to this program is always at a super high level. So let us say hello to the co-host of On to the Next One of the Ranking Show. He's the Prince of Positivity from MMAfighting.com, our best friend, Alexander K. Lee. Hello, AK. How are you? Oh, hi, everyone. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me back. Uh, I guess I am the new Jed. I guess I'm taking over with Shit Retired. By default, I am the man of BTL. And let me say, I, I, am, I am confident not only uh, will I win today's debate portion, but I think uh, when me and this gentleman meet in a physical contest, I think we're actually going to fight each other later, if that's, uh, that's my understanding. I will, I, will, uh, I will be the victor there as well. Well, what you guys didn't see is they had a pose down before the show started, and yeah. we might think a little bit differently about this. But making his BTL debut, one of the surging contenders in the UFC's lightweight division, a name that comes up an awful lot on on to the next one. I'm sure he'll be watching UFC 280 very closely for a couple of different reasons. He is Grant Dawson. The prophet himself joins us. Grant, my man, how are you? Great, man. Thank you so much for having me. 
Now, before we get into the debate portion, what, what is going on with you, Grant? Every Everybody comes on the matchmaking show. They keep matchmaking for you. Everyone wants to see you back in there fighting. What, what, what is going on here? Why, why, why don't we have anything booked? Well, I was, uh, I was supposed to fight November 5th, and uh, we were offered six different names, all six of which that I said yes to, and all six of which that are now booked with other people. So... I'm not so sure what's going on. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future, but uh, uh, it, it's not looking like I'm going to be able to fight again this year. So that's kind of a bummer, but uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. Grant, Grant, call them out. Name names, name names. We're not we're not here to be professional. <laughs> we're we're here to start pe- we're here to start petty feuds. Name, go ahead. Name some names. <laughs> I've I've been offered I've been offered uh, Diego Fajeda. Dan Hooker, uh, who else? Gregor Gillespie, RDA, who is uh, Demir Ismagulov, and there was one more. Uh, I can't. I cannot remember who the last one was. Uh, but they just not wait. Dates lined up not great. Didn't want to fight me. Whatever it was, uh, I have no opponent right now, and uh, it sucks because I've been in camp for the last eight weeks. Um, my weight was was coming real low. I'm dieted. I'm hungry, and it's it's not looking like any of that's going to pay off. Are we are we up for short notice opportunities if they arise? Man, I the problem is is they wanted to move me to December, but I get married November uh, November twentieth, and uh, I'm not going to take a week off for my wedding, go to my wedding, not eat cake, and then go to fight in December. If it was late December, I could make it work, but the last card in December is the 17th of December. My uh, my wedding's on the uh, 20th. It's it's just not going to work, you know? So early January, it, it's looking more and more like that. All right. Well, uh, congratulations on the upcoming nuptials. You can join the club. It'll be great. So let's let's get into this thing. Normally, we close off regulation on this program with the upcoming fight cards, but today we're going to kick it off because after a weekend away, the UFC is back on Saturday, UFC Vegas 62. It's the go-home show for UFC 280. There'll be a lot of promotional assets, I'm sure, throughout that card, promoting the pay-per-view, but we have an interesting fight night lineup. We have a main event with some stakes between Alexa Grasso and Viviani Araujo. And AK, we're going to begin with you. How high are these stakes? at 125 because we have a champion currently without a fight in Valentina Shevchenko. We have a big one next weekend between Caitlin Chukagian and Manon Fioro. How big is this fight in your eyes? How big are the stakes? I can't say it's like a massive fight and it certainly weighs more heavily for one competitor than the other. I think it's very big for Alexa Grasso. I don't think that's a secret. I think um, the UFC really likes her. I think from the day they brought her in they saw her as someone that could be a contender originally at 115 of course there was a a lot of issues with with making weight there and um with some of the opponents she's struggling against there now up at 125 three and oh so far has looked good has put on entertaining fights had finished her last fight so she's just trending up and up and up and up especially in division people are constantly looking for a fresh challenger for valentina shevchenko um now i don't know what it will take for fans, media, you know, the bus who make these picks to sort of predict that Grasso has a chance. I think even if she earned the title fight, um, she'd be like a plus, oh, I don't know, like right out of the gate, 400, 500, 600 underdog. Maybe I'm even being charitable. Um, not because she's a bad fighter, just because of how great Valentina Shevchenko is. So Saturday, it's not only important that uh, she gets a win, 
against someone like Viviana Rujo, who's super tough, but she has to look good. It can't kind of be like a sort of a listless um, five round decision. Like for those of us in the media, we might be impressed by that. But for fans, I think you really got to wow them. You really got to knock their socks off. Um, even for officials in the UFC, the guys who make guys and gals who make those decisions, um, they want to see a, an impressive main event performance. This is Grasso's first main event. This is Viviana Arujo's first main event. Um, so I personally feel Derek Grasso is legit. Um, like I said, the UFC is pretty invested in her. Um, they've they've kind of obviously been tracking her since her Invicta days. Uh, she she could be a, a big draw. You know, she could be a main event draw in, in Mexico. I'm sure that's you know that's a market they're they're very very invested in. Uh, so she's just got to win. So. The fight itself, like on paper, is it's a compelling fight. Not actually a huge matchup for both fighters, but for Grasso, um, she's young enough. A loss isn't gonna, you know, kill her chance of fighting for a title. And also, given uh, what we don't know, you know, when Valentina, what she, what her plans are, she might not be defending the flyweight title anytime soon. She might be chasing that Nunez fight. But either way, if you're Grasso, you want to put yourself in that position where you're one win away from maybe fighting for the title within the first half of 2023. I don't know. I might be overselling it, but um, definitely a big fight for uh, for Alexa Grasso. Grant, what do you think? What, what are the stakes here in this main event? Yeah, man, with, with this division, like, uh, like he said, they're always looking for new challengers for the champion. And I think both of these girls, I'm a fan of uh, Viviana, and I'm also a fan of Alexa Grasso. I think they're both really good fighters, and they're very similar in styles, you know? Not really looking for takedowns. They're looking more to, to knock each other out. I think that Viviana is a little bit more of a uh, explosive striker, whereas Alexa Grasso likes to set things up and is more about volume. I, I really like uh, this matchup as well. My issue is I think that there are still a few people ahead of both of these girls if they win. Now, if something spectacular happens, I, I do think that, you know, they could jump the line. But looking at the champion's last fight, I personally that uh, Shevchenko lost her last fight. If I'm the matchmaker, if it's not Amanda Nunez, it's a rematch with that girl because personally I thought that she lost that fight. Uh, if it's not either of those, then yes, I could see the winner of this getting the next shot. I think whoever wins is going to be a giant Caitlin Chukagian fan heading into next week because I feel like if Manon Fioro beats, beats Caitlin, then she's going to get the shot no matter what. But co-made event, we have Cub Swanson Dropping down to 135, he's fighting Jonathan Martinez. And at yesterday's media day, Swanson just turned it over to Daniel Argueta to answer his questions for him, which got a lot of people talking. So, Grant, I'm curious, from a fighter's perspective, when you saw the clips or whatever of Cub Swanson just sitting at the media day dais in silence while his training partner answered the questions, what did you think of that? Did you think there was any maybe weight cut issues? Is this some gamesmanship? What was your reaction to it? No, nah, man, this is this is 100%. Cub Swanson's been doing this since he was six years old, and he wanted to mix it up a bit, you know. Uh, I think he's watching a little bit too much pro wrestling and uh, wanted to make it a, a little bit different. Also, Cub isn't much of a talker, man. He doesn't really like – he's kind of a soft-spoken, uh, not a brash, you know, Conor McGregor style. He likes to let his fists do the talking. So I, I liked it. I thought it was different. I thought it was cool. Um, it, it's uh, – it definitely got attention, and we're definitely talking about it right now. Are we talking about any other uh, interviews that went on that day? No, because it was so interesting and so weird, you know, and that's probably one of his closest friends and training partners, and it was probably just something to have fun, you know. I like it. I'm in it. 
AK, what did you think? Did did it concern you at all? Or I mean, you were at AEW last night, so I'm sure you're looking for some good pro wrestling style things to happen around the world because you certainly didn't get them last night at AEW. But did did it concern you? Did you dig this? What did you think? Uh, yeah, I, lo- I I hope whether it's a gimmick or not, I think it's something he should stick with. Uh, not that he's ever had a problem on the mic. He's been pretty comfortable with media, certainly comfortable calling out media, uh, and which is fine. Um, so I do think it was a, a little bit of a gimmick, and I hope it's one he sticks with. I mean, you mentioned pro wrestling. It never hurts to have a mouthpiece. Uh, Dan Argueta, I like that he gave a little shine to Dan Argueta, a young up-and-coming guy. So uh, it, it sort of served a dual purpose. And if he doesn't have to you know, kind of answer the typical questions from us on, uh, from, on the other side of the microphone, more power to him, I guess. You know, um, of, of course, props to people who are on site, of course, including uh, John Morgan and our own, our own Jose Youngs, who are holding it down. So um, – you know, I'm not. I'm not saying uh, the media should be ignored, but I think when you're a veteran like Cub and you've kind of paid your dues, you've you've certainly done enough scrums, you've done enough interviews. Uh, I, I don't take it the wrong way. I don't take it as like he's above. You know, he was like being above the media. Um, I hope it's not a serious issue with his weight cut. Um, we do know, you know, uh, those extreme weight cuts can do all kinds of things to you. So I don't know if it did affect him in some other way. If, again, possibly affecting his his speech. I mean, that we that could be a possibility. Um, but I really hope that's not the case. And um, yeah, if he was just having fun with it, and again, you know, finding a way to uh, to liven up whatever the fiftieth media day he's probably done in his career, then uh, then then you know, good for him. But um, uh, I did want to ask. Uh, while, while we have Grant here, I'm gonna and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of volley back to him. Um, Grant, I don't know if you remember, you know, when Cub was like, uh, I feel like MMA media members should fight, like should 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 have at least like three amateur fights or something. Do you ever feel that way sometimes when you're dealing with us? Like, I wish these guys had a little bit of training or some in in cage in ring experience. Not at all. Uh, I, I think that's kind of stupid. Um, hmm. I think that judges and uh, I think that um, more so referees should have some type of fighting experience, man. But the, the issue is that people uh, critiquing art is so much different and a completely different skill set than being an artist. You know what I mean? Like great artists don't usually make great critics towards art, you know, because that's not what they're there for. I think that uh, the media is doing a fine job. Do I think there's some assholes in the media? Absolutely. Just like there's assholes in, in fighting and any other thing you're going to run into, you know. You do your job, I'll do my job, and and I think that that's what we should stick with, you know. I do think that referees should have some type of fight experience, and I, I'm leaning more towards judges having some type of fight experience just because we're getting a lot of crazy decisions and some very questionable referee calls lately, and I think that comes from not being actually in that position and knowing what's going on. I like that answer. Don't get me going down the the cheating and grabbing the fence rabbit hole because don't start Mike. for days. But don't start <laughs> no, Mike. You know how I feel about that. But uh, AK, as interesting as those two fights are, are either one of these fights the one you're looking forward to the most, or is there something else in the card? I think oh. a lot of people are pointing to the flyweight fight, but is there say. anything else that sticks out more than that? Uh, I mean, as a Canadian, I am just sort of, I kind of like that they gave me Sirkinov this uh, opening card spot. He's going back up to 205. His move down to middleweight didn't exactly work out. It wasn't particularly entertaining. I don't think he got the results that he wanted. Um, he looked okay, but like, he also looked a little bit drained. He's a, he's a, he was a big, he's a big guy, Sirkinov. So, um, he does not have an easy fight going back to 205. I mean, Alonzo Menafield has looked good lately. Uh, but again, if you're, if you're Misha, this is kind of your, 
I don't want to say last run, um, but he is a veteran. He's been fighting for a bit. He's been in a lot of tough fights. Uh, he's taken a lot of damage in the cage. So as a Canadian, again, some, and he's a, he's a Toronto boy as well, um, I'm, I'm particularly keyed in on that fight. I would love to see him get uh, get the main card off to a hot start with like a finish of Alonzo Menefield uh, and get his own career sort of back on track because it's been a rough go the last few years. But um, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how much uh, how much Misha has left. Super talented guy, amazing athlete. Um, but the fight game is tough, man, and some of these outings just haven't gone his way. So uh, I really want to see how he matches up with with uh, Alonzo Menefield. Grant, what's yours? What's your go-to fight? If you if you can't watch either of the two fights, the main or the co-main, what's the one fight you're gonna make sure that you have to watch on Saturday? Man, I I'm, I know you're talking about uh, uh, not these fights, but I I have to go with the the co-main, and not because of Cub, but because of Jonathan Martinez, and I don't think that people are giving him credit. Uh, he, he suffered a loss from Davey Grant. And I think that people are kind of writing him off after that, but I've met Jonathan Martinez. I know his coach is very well. I know his uh, training partners very well. And that kid is an absolute savage. This is a great stylistic matchup for both guys. Nobody's going to wrestle. Nobody's going to do jujitsu. They're going to come out there and they're going to try to bang. And I don't think they really see what's going to happen to Jonathan Martinez's career. If he goes out and knocks out Cub Swanson, I think he rocketed rockets up through the division because of a big win over a veteran like Cub Swanson. And uh, he's a friend of mine, and I'm actually really excited to see this fight. He is the, uh, I've deemed him the silence behind the violence, Jonathan Martinez, who is so calm and calculated and confident when he steps into the octagon. But if you put a microphone in front of his face, he's not the same way. But I think that's what we all love about Jonathan Martinez. He's the guy, he's the guy that should be having people do interviews for him, not Cub Swanson. (laughs) He's the one that should have somebody talk for him. Oh man, that is that is completely true. Of course, want to shine some light on Askar Askar, Brandon Royval. That fight's gonna absolutely rule. So it should be fun. There'll be some fun cards, some fun fights, and we're gonna be all fired up for 280 when it's all said and done so and we'll of course have coverage of ufc vegas 62 before during and after on saturday so stay tuned to mma fighting but let's talk an interesting storyline that has occurred for next weekend's pay-per-view the point for round one goes to it goes to grant for not dumping on the media as much as he probably could have so good for you that grant. was nice one thing. I, I tried to bait him mike i tried to bait him yeah, you're a baiter. You're, you're, I tried to get that, cl- that clickbait. Click <laughs> you're a master baiter. Grant was, okay, well, let's you know. Again, this is a PG show. Apologize uh, for you, our YouTube viewer. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 
Amazon.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. So let's get into this, and and I'm curious to get Grant's to thoughts on this originally because he is in this division but alexander volkanovsky who is the ufc featherweight champion he is mma fighting's pound for pound number one fighter he has revealed that he will be the backup fighter for the main event for the vacant lightweight title next weekend ufc 280 in abu dhabi between charles Oliveira and islam makachev now we had heard that benil dariush had begged to differ we'll discuss where he sits in all this in a moment but Volkanovski went on the MA Hour yesterday, said he's not playing any games. This isn't something he's just saying to bait or make headlines. He's the guy. So, Grant, you are in this division. You're a guy who just rattled off a bunch of names of fighters that you could have been paired up with, but they didn't happen. You're trying to climb this rankings, trying to climb this ladder like a lot of other guys in this division are trying to climb. So, being in this division, you hoping to one day be in this spot sooner rather than later... What did you make of this reveal that the featherweight champion is the backup fighter for the main event? Uh, look, man, I think the champion first pick. You know what I mean? We we saw this with Max Holloway when he came up to fight Khabib. Uh, I think that if you're the champion of the lower division or the higher division and you can make the weight, I think you should get first pick. You know, we're seeing a lot of guys becoming double champions. And not to mention that he's just a double – I'm sorry, he's just a champion – He's the number one pound-for-pound ranked fighter in the world. He has not lost in years. Uh, I think that it definitely is justified that he jumped over Benil Dariush um, for this spot. If Benil Dariush was in the spot, I think Alexander Volkanovsky would jump up anyway and try to go after that, that belt. So the fact that he's ready to do it against either of these guys, I think that that's fair. I think that if you're the champ, you jump the line. AK, what did you think? Like, because to me, this just having his name attached to this card doesn't hurt anybody. It just makes it a little more interesting. It makes the weigh-ins a little more interesting to see what could happen. Volkanovsky getting ready. And I think the most interesting part of this is that after that Max Holloway fight, he said he was going to take a break. He's got some injuries. He knows he's got some injuries. And he's cleared and ready to go just a couple of months later and potentially could find himself fighting for a world title for a second title on this card. Obviously we hope that doesn't happen, but him revealing this, him doubling down on it. What did you make of it all? It's just smart, man. I mean, we always talk about like how hard it is for, for some fighters to sort of stay relevant in between their fights and sort of stay in the public eye and stay in the headlines, frankly. And Volk has done a great job of it without being the kind of guy who has to do like 
outrageous stuff or act out of character. Like he's staying in the headlines for his reasons. He's staying in the headlines because he's being discussed as a lightweight title challenger. I mean, that's amazing. Um, I think an example you brought up on uh, one of your morning shows recently, Mike, was like Mike Chandler. You know, Mike Chandler's great at doing interviews in between, to do, doing things at shows that like uh, that we talk about when, when he's not fighting. Um, and again, some guys are really, really good at that, at, at just being on, on the mic all the time. I don't think Volkanovsky wants to do that. Um, so he's planting his seeds more strategically. And I think by making himself the backup for this card, it's such a smart thing to do. Now, like everyone, I really want to see the Oliveira Makachev matchup. But to eat to, for the fact that like I think people would, would still be somewhat excited if one of those guys fell out and Volkanovsky stepped in, there'd probably be even be a portion of fans who'd be more excited, who love that sort of champ champ stuff, who love seeing a guy go for, you know, just rack up belts in as many divisions as they can. And he says, you know, he's said he's had like his eye on more than two belts, which I mean, I don't think that's gonna happen, but who knows this guy? I didn't think he, I don't think he could win the lightweight title either, and he, I could be wrong there. So, uh, great move on his part, great great strategic move. I feel very bad for Benil Dariush. I mean, again, that's that's a guy who kind of what I'm talking about here um, is not always making headlines in between fights. Is not always like you know uh, uh, putting himself out there. Uh, so he had he seemed to have at least this one thing where people were saying he would be the backup, even though he's also fighting on the card. And in one fell swoop, uh, Volkanovski kind of took that away from him. So uh, that's that's a bit rough. But um, I, I love it for Volkanovski. There's no reason not to do it. Uh, the yes, there is a Perth card coming up in February. But hey, if you're him, you're probably looking at both cards. Uh, and again, February is a long ways away in the MMA world. So for him to plan that far ahead, obviously he wants to fight there. But so many other things can happen in between. He's got to go with the, you know, with the what he has in hand now. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting road, AK, for Darius because one, he was confused by this whole thing, and there's a lot of people who also believe, even to this day, nine days away from UFC 280, that it should have been him getting the the title shot with Oliveira, not Islam Makachev, but instead he's going to fight Matush Gamrod, and that fight absolutely rules. So. Trying to put yourself in Darius's shoes right now, AK, and I know you, you you feel bad for the man. How do you like? How are you feeling right now? Not just because of this Volkanovski thing, but everything else that has happened. Like, feel a lot of people have supported this guy. Felt like he should be getting the title fight. Feels like his resume has warranted this. And now he's fighting a super tough dude in Matush Gamrod, and now he's not even the backup when this fight was put on the card to be essentially kind of a backup to the main event. I can't hear you, AK. Oh, because that's because I'm muted. <laughs> I can't either. That's all I'll test for you. Uh, if you're Darius, I think you're you're at least look. At least you have a fight. At least you have a fight in the card, no matter what. Whether whether you're the backup or not. Yes, I'm sure he's. You know that was his concern. Is would he have to step into the main event? But he has an even greater concern, and that he has this guy Gamrot to worry about. So he can't. He can't primarily be worrying about. Oh, am I going to fight Charles? Am I going to fight Islam? He's got a top ten guy, a top ten guy, and then may fighting uh, global rankings. Which, by the way, Grant, you are part of. I should say, Grant is part of it. Uh, he is in. Our, he is ranked in our top fifteen. Just if anyone's wondering why we have the best rankings, uh, it's because we include include all the best names including when Mr. Grant Dawson with us today. Uh, but uh, yes, we have Matias Gamrod at eight, and he could steal Darius's top five spots. So if you're Darius, I mean, look, uh, the Volkanovsky stepping up and sort of taking that just unilaterally, as far as we know, saying um, that, yes, officially I am the, I am the uh, backup. I'm sure it sucks. I'm sure it's not the news you want to hear. 
but he has a fight to worry about, uh, a fight that is n- not a walkover, a fight that if he wins it, you would hope, quote unquote, guarantees him a title shot, though we know there's really no such thing as a guarantee, especially in the UFC's lightweight division. Um, but yeah, if I'm him, I'm not like totally, I'm not like, it's, it's just a little distraction, but he's got a whole other, um, much more important matter to deal with on, uh, on the 22nd. What do you think, Grant? Do you think this is going to be a tough thing to overcome or do you think he's going to be cool with it and just move on and turn the page and focus on the task at hand, which is a very tough one? Look, man, I trained with uh, Gamrot every single day for this this uh, this fight. I was one of his main training partners. He's got his hands full. Dariush has his hands full right now. And if he's worrying about anything other than Matoush Gamrot, he's going to have a long night. There's a lot of if, ands, or buts with this title uh, this title fight. Like, if somebody backs out and if Volkanovski doesn't get the fight, maybe he'll be the back. Like, don't worry about any of that because none of that's going to come true if you don't beat Gamrot that's right in front of you. And I'm telling you that Gamrot is hungrier. He's younger. He's one of those guys that's got a lot of momentum right now. And uh, if he's looking past Gamrot at all, I'm telling you it's going to be an easy night for Gamrot. So I think that he should kind of just put this on the back burner. I think he should not really care. I know it's hard to say this because everybody in this sport will be a champion. I, I get that, myself included. But if you don't beat the guy in front of you, you don't really get those opportunities. So he really needs to focus on Gamrot and uh, not worry about who's getting what in a maybe situation. Now, for both of these guys, Grant, we talked about stakes for the Grasso Araujo fight. What is at stake for the winner of this fight? Because if we lived in a world of meritocracy, you would think the winner will be at the top of the heat for title consideration to fight the winner of Oliveira Makachev. But as you know, we do not live in a meritocratic world. We have Chandler and Poirier fighting in a couple of weeks. There's always the looming presence of Conor McGregor. What percentage would you give that the winner of this fight between Darius and Gamrot will fight for the belt next? Man, the, the sad thing is, I think that uh, a win means something different for both men. I think that if Darius wins, I think that he's in line for the next belt, you know, or I'm sorry, the next shot. And uh, he, he's put a lot of big wins together. He's got a lot of uh, big names under his belt. And he's been scheduled to fight Islam Makashev more than once already. So that fight already has some some uh, grounds. Uh, if he does another really good grappler and Matoush Gamrot, then he fights Charles. There's like a jujitsu versus jujitsu style there that makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately, I feel like if Gamrot does win this fight, which I believe he will win this fight, I think with only beating Armin, uh, Arukian and Benil Dariush, I think it puts him in line for a number one contender spot. Then he's fighting uh, the winner of Dustin and, and Chandler, or or if Gaethje and um, Rafael Fazeev happen, getting the winner of that. So, in my opinion, if Dariush wins, he gets a shot. When Gamrot wins, he gets one more big name and then a title shot. I love how you just threw the when in there, willy nilly. Well done. What a teammate and, you are. And hey, then, can, and then, and then I bet. And then I bet Grant. And then I bet you would gladly take a fight with uh, Dariush coming off a loss to Gamrod. Is that right? I'd fight Dariush. Yes, hundred percent. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. Tight. Write it up, AK. Write it up. Mm. 
Grant Dawson calls up a Neil Darius. Those damn Vaders. <laughs> I got them. Damn Vaders. <laughs> AK, what do you think? Like, what's what you are? We will be talking about this exact situation the day after this card. We will probably be live on on to the next one after UFC 280. No matter who wins, are we talking title fight next? Or what percentage are you giving that the winner fights for the title next? No, I I, I agree with uh, with Grant that uh, Gamrot again as as often as he's been. Well, I mean KSW before that, and then uh, as he's great and great in the UFC so far. I don't know if the resume is quite there. Yes, he will take Darius's spot, but as we've kind of been saying, like Darius's spot is like right in right there in the top five where he so clearly deserves a title shot, but it's just not seen for whatever reason. Is not seen as the number one contender. So if Gamrot beats him, he doesn't automatically become the number one contender because Darius isn't. So um, it could change. It gets like an, if he like first round knockout, first round submission. If he just runs through Darius somehow, which again has not happened in a long time uh, to, to Benil Darius, it changes the math certainly. Um, it put, certainly puts him on a short list. But I'd be really surprised if there was any sort of uh, guarantee or any sort of like uh, huge thrust to put Gamrot in a title shot just based off a win over. Um, Darius, unless unless he manages to finish him, so uh, yeah, I I don't know if the stakes are are quite as high for him, and um, but I mean, getting into that top five is uh, again once you get there in the, at one fifty five, it, it's huge, it's huge, it's it's getting past some of the guys who are, uh, for lack of a better term, have kind of been you know rooting into their spot. That as uh, that's a tricky thing, but again, like Darius, he's not worrying about that right now. He's worrying about you know UFC two eighty. We will see how this all plays out. Like I said, we're nine days away and get ready. We're going to have uh, some very fun stuff for you for UFC 280 announcement forthcoming. Stay tuned for that. But we move on point for round two goes to. It goes to the barking dog, but it actually goes to Alexander K. Lee. It is one-to-one. So let's. Move ahead. What a what a sportsman. The dog is just loving the program right now. Dogs love BTL. Let's move ahead to December because over the last week and change, the UFC Orlando lineup has been pretty much finalized, including the main event. And wouldn't you know it, AK? Kevin Holland wasn't retired after all. He's fighting Wonderboy Thompson at 170 pounds. Now, I have to say, I've seen a good chunk of people who are excited about this fight, the dog included, and I've had a lot of people, even on Heck of a Morning, consider this a meh main event. So what are your thoughts on the matchup, AK, and Holland's retirement coming to an end very, 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 very quickly? Uh, The first thing I want to talk about is the retirement because I I just want to say there's a few people out there uh, and again, I, it's always bad to respond to trolls. I'm sure Grant knows about this. There's always going to be trolls, trolls of fighters, trolls in the media, trolls of anyone. If you're if you're someone who works in sort of a public field, those people are going to come at you. And it's always those one or two or handful of comments that get to you. But I will say, I did see, Mike, and I don't know if you got any of this. Some people were saying like, oh, I can't believe the media fell for Kevin Holland's retirement. I can't believe they even reported on it or made posts about it. Like it was, they, 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 it was obviously fake. Like they should have looked into it. And it's like, it's a story. It's a story. When a major fighter who I would say is ranked in some rankings of welterweight was certainly ranked in 185 and is a very, I would say, is one of the more noteworthy UFC fighters in the roster right now, um, announced their retirement, whether they're, they're uh, part of my language, bullshitting or not, 
uh, we have to report on that. It would be like if a if a, an NFL Pro Bowler, uh, not like a, like even a, a semi-famous NFL player, did this public tweet where said, "Yep, I'm retiring." Yeah, you do it. You do a story on it. We look into it. We reach out to people. We reach out to managers. We reach out to the fighters. We reach out to the UFC. We reach out, we reach out to as many people as possible. But if you're not reporting when a fighter, uh, again, a well-known fighter says they're retiring or, or really strongly hinting that they're not going to fight anymore, guess what? We're not doing our jobs. So anyway, so for all that drama, all that sort of annoying, uh, is he retired, is he not stuff, I could do without it. Again, it has to be reported on. Uh, I was personally was not super convinced that he wasn't going to fight again. Uh, he's what, 29 years old. He's in the prime of his career. If he had made enough money not to fight, ever again i'd be so happy for him but um that didn't seem to be the case even with the uh you know uh, rumors of his ufc 279 financial windfall so i like the matchup with wonder boy i like what he kind of said i think in an interview he's like i was i told people i'd come back if a wonderful fantastic opportunity came up and what's more wonderful than wonder boy so a little corny but a good way to kind of explain away why he uh quote unquote is coming back if he was even gone. Uh, and I like it for Wonder Boy too, because I think it's a winnable matchup. I think Holland has good offensive wrestling, but I don't know if he, I don't know if he can quite do kind of what Bilal did. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I, again, offensively strong, but we've seen, also seen Steven Thompson, man, just fool so many fighters who think they've got him figured out. And uh, I don't know if Kevin Holland is a better fighter than some of the guys that, um, that uh, Thompson has, has beaten in recent years, but I want to find out. And that's, you know, the whole point of any matchup. So, Decent main event for Orlando, for sure. Uh, I, I find it intriguing, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what the what – the, I haven't gotten a feel for sort of the public reaction yet. Grant, what do you think about the matchup? And uh, are you stunned that an MMA retirement didn't actually stick? <laughs> Come on, man. MMA retirements, I think they're jokes. You know, like it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't uh... – Nothing happens. Nothing. Nothing changes when you say, "Hey, I, I'm done fighting." You know, I could say I'm done fighting. I've retired three times in my career, just in my own head, because I didn't want to do this anymore. And then the very next day, I was like, "Okay, no, that was stupid. I'm going to keep doing this. This is awesome." You know. Uh, another thing too is like uh, that. It's not like he's one of these old dogs. You know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson retiring right now would make way more sense than Kevin Holland retiring right now. I think Kevin's got a lot more fight in him. I think he's got a lot more years with the company in him. And I don't think that a short notice, so to speak, fight Kamzat Shemayev does anything to hurt his his legacy or his career or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, uh, I'm excited about the matchup. I, I, I really am. I think that Wonder Boy has been uh, not looking great lately, but against grapplers every time that we've seen him fight a good striker uh he he seems to do really well and he seems to still have that his style seems to be quote unquote ageless you know so i don't really think that kevin holland's going to come out here and try to grapple i don't think he's going to try to take him down and grind him out like Bilal muhammad did like uh gilbert burns did you know Faint, faint, faint in on the shot. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be a lot of like at range fighting. I think that this is a striker's delight, if you would. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm really happy that it's five rounds. I think that benefits uh, Kevin Holland actually over uh, Wonder Boy. So I'm excited about it. I can't wait for this fight. I think it's going to be a good one. Co-main event, Grant, we confirmed earlier this week. Tai Tuivasa is back. He's bouncing back around three months after that crazy war with Cyril Gan, fighting Sergei Pavlovich. Now, I don't think anybody is complaining about this fight. It is a great fight. 
But what's interesting about it is the timing of this because the UFC announced earlier this week, officially they're heading back to Australia in February. They're going to Perth. And this fight would have been a pretty good addition for that one considering Ty Tuivas is there. So were you surprised this is added to the Orlando card? And what do you think of the matchmaking here between Tuivas and Pavlovich? I mean, I, I wouldn't say I was surprised. Nothing really surprises me with with uh, making right now. I'm sure they've got a bunch of you know Australian names that are going to be on that card, and a bunch of names we we don't really know right now. Um, so I think keeping it diverse, you know, just because you're going to a a, a certain that doesn't mean you want to flood the card with just big names too. And maybe it was a timing issue. Maybe Pal couldn't do it. Uh, maybe you know. There could have been a hundred things of why he's not on that card. Uh, I do like this fight. Anytime somebody uh, is fighting a, a Russian, I gotta think that uh, I gotta think that he's gonna have a, a rough night, man, because those guys are really, really good, especially at the heavyweight level. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sold on Ty Tiavasa right now. I think a very powerful fighter. I think that he's um, an exciting fighter and I think he's a great character. I, I love his 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 stick and, and everything that he does. I think he's a really cool guy when it comes to that. I'm just not sold on how good of a fighter he is. Uh, I feel like anytime that he fights a big banger, he can win those fights. But when he fights people that know how to stay behind uh, good technique, I feel when he struggles. So I'm interested to see how this one goes and I'm not exactly sure who's going to win. But if I had to... Gun to my head, I had to uh, uh, make up. I'm going to go with the other guy. AK, your thoughts on the the matchmaking here, the timing of it all, and Tuivasa bouncing right back before the end of the year to fight a surging contender coming off a huge win. Uh, yeah, anyone who's like listened to me talk about Ty Tuivasa's rise knows that I think he is a legitimate heavyweight contender. Uh this is this is where again you know someone like Grant who has trained and has fought and kind of like can really analyze technique, where he and I differ because I'm in the media, I'm a fan, I'm just on the outside. The depth of my analysis is like, well, Tai Tuivasa, he punched good, and he punched <laughs> and, and and let me tell you something. Lately, he punched real good. Um, so that's again, that, and that's how I look at it. So like, as at heavyweight, that might not apply in every division. I should we should clarify, but at heavyweight. Punch good could take you real far. And uh, I I feel like, listen, he <laughs> got as far as that fight with Cedil gone. And man, he had Cedil hurt bad in a fight where a lot of people thought like he wouldn't touch him. So after that loss, if anything, I, I was like even more convinced uh, that he could someday, you know, uh, fight for a title. Uh, I was even more intrigued of, of his upside. Again, he's he's in the prime of his career, but I still feel like there's, there's some gains to be made there. Um, how much he wants to you know, change his game, how much he, how much time he wants to dedicate to that. I don't know. That's certainly up in the air. Uh, but I, I love that they threw him right back into the fire against a guy like Pavlovich, super hungry guy, another power puncher, a guy that's really, uh, that's definitely like could, could take his spot just, just like Ty, uh, just like Ty did by beating Derek Lewis, um, getting a top five heavyweight spot. That spot is up for grabs and Pavlovich is right there. I mean, the guy has one loss in the UFC to friggin' Overeem in his debut fight. There's no shame in that. Um, so it wouldn't surprise anyone if he went in there and just took out Ty. So, I mean, I'm leaning towards Ty just because I've, I've, I've seen more of him. I see this, I see that sort of grit, that next level grit that 
um, that that attitude of a fighter that like I, I feel is unquantifiable. I'm not saying that Pavlovich doesn't have that, but again, just when, from the outside looking in, um, this is like what we in the media are kind of so enchanted by is when we see that that intangible quality um, that we can't quite name, we can't quite put a finger on it, but I think we know when we see it. I certainly see it in Tai Tuivasa. Um, but hey, we, we, we'll we'll find out. I, I don't know because Pavlovich, I, I've also been really high on him for a while. I'm just I'm just leaning towards uh, Ty, and I and I like seeing Ty uh, continue to prove people wrong as well. Yeah, what's going to be interesting about that fight is if we get another weird finish where Pavlovich has Ty hurt and the referee stops it. How will people react to this one? Because they did the same thing with Derek Lewis. It's almost like he didn't get the credit for the finish because everyone loves Derek Lewis so much and they thought he got hosed by the referee, but. Then you go back and watch the replay and you're like, the dude went face first into the mat. There's no problem in actually stopping it. And if it was any other heavyweight besides maybe Derek Lewis or Tai Tuivasa, maybe we're looking at things a little bit differently. But we will move on to round number four. The point for round three goes to... He punches hard and talk well. AK, two to one. Talk good. Talk good. You talk good. You punch good. You talk good. So let's talk about a totally different piece of matchmaking. As we speak, it may have actually ended. Not really sure because we're doing this show, but there is a press conference today featuring former UFC fighter Uriah Hall. And I guess he said during the press conference, he's no longer worrying about the football side of his life. Le'Veon Bell, the longtime NFL running back, because they're going to be boxing each other October 29th on the undercard of the Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva event in Glendale, Arizona. So, Grant, you are a fan of the of the fisticuffs. What did you think of this? Like, did you see this coming at all, that Uriah Hall was going to retire from MMA, and then a few months later he's going to be booked in a boxing fight against Le'Veon Bell? <laughs> Yeah, man, like this kind of seems to be where uh, where UFC fighters that are kind of out of their prime, not wanting to be done fighting are kind of going, you know, they, they still got to make money. They still got to provide for their families. And, and you never really lose the love for the sport. You know, I'm sure some guys do. But in my experience, these guys, they, they don't lose the love for competing and the love for some some type of of combat sport, whether that be jujitsu, wrestling, something other than MMA, because MMA is so taxing on the body. It's so hard to get ready for a fight. And when you do good in MMA, you get to a level where you're never going to fight backwards. Uh, Uriah Hall is never going to fight somebody that isn't on his level above his level you know and so for him to step into a new sport he kind of gets a clean slate he uh he definitely has the advantage in these uh in these matchups i think obviously fighting a a a football player but i i like it man any any way a, a fighter can make money after being done in the ufc you know get to get that little drive and competitiveness out of them I think it's a good thing, man. I, I'm happy for him. I hope he's getting paid well. And I hope that uh, it, it's a big card for Anderson Silva's sake as well. I'm sure a lot of people are excited for that fight. And uh, I think that it's going to be good for everybody. So someday I'm going to have to quit fighting. And I just hope that there's something kind of like this for me to do afterward to you know, catch that competitive itch. AK, what do you think of this? Uriah Hall versus Le'Veon Bell. I thought it was kind of cool when I saw it pop up. It was so, it felt a little random. 
I think a lot of us knew that there was a chance Uriah Hall would compete in some other form of martial arts because I think he very uh, very specifically said in his uh, retirement comments like MMA. I think MMA was was said multiple times. So I'm like, okay, he's clearly leaving the door open for something. I don't know if I thought it would be so soon, um, but on the other hand, he is what Uriah's 38. He turned 38 this year, and the clock is ticking. Um, he's still in incredible shape. I mean, it, the guy has always been in amazing shape his whole career, um, has always been an intriguing fighter. You know, I know some of his fights, it can be hot and cold. Some of his fights, super exciting. Some of his fights can be kind of, you know, technical, kind of not actually the most crowd pleasing affairs. But again, that's MMA. That's a whole other world. I am very intrigued to see how he does in boxing. Um, if you're Le'Veon Bell, I mean, real again, a really cool pick because this is a guy who's experienced. He has a name in the UFC. He's considerably older. Uh, so, you know, you're hoping you have a speed, youth, athleticism advantage, you know, that can take you a long way. Um, but at the same time, it's also a guy who is known as a striker. Sure, he won't be throwing any spin kicks in there or head kicks, but Uriah's always had really good boxing. So uh, to me, it feels like Livian Le- Bell is in over his head, but him and his team must see something where they think at the very least he won't embarrass himself against Uriah Hall. So this is the kind of freak show like boxing matchup I love. Um, this card looks is genuinely intriguing and looks like looks super fun on paper. I guess uh, mileage may vary for people, especially also depending on the outcomes. I think there's a large contingent of MMA fans who, if Jake Paul just friggin' knocks Anderson Silva out in 45 seconds somehow, it will go down as like the worst event ever. But you know, I'm in the media. I'm objective. I'm just kind of waiting to see how the how the how the how the tea leaves kind of kind of form um, before I uh, make any judgments. But I love how it looks. And uh, Grant, I do look forward to you someday uh, getting into celebrity boxing or something. I think you and like Brian, I, I, you're a Wisconsin guy, so I assume you hate the Bears. And I was thinking like you and like Brian Urlacher or something. I feel like I think you could take him. I mean, he's probably he's probably bigger, but he's an older guy. I don't think he has your fighting experience. I'd love to see you go eight rounds with Brian Urlacher or something like that. You know, you know, the crazy thing is it's like, I'm, I'm kind of like the Ben Asker type. You know, uh, I'm a heavy grappler. So me transitioning over into boxing, I think these guys would actually have a lot better chance of beating me than some of these other guys. Oh, you're well-rounded. You're well-rounded now. You're well-rounded. You're a, down for anything. You're a mixed martial artist, Grant. You mi- you mi- you're an amazing grappler. We all know that. But you mix the martial arts. Come on. You could do it. <laughs> You don't. You don't like the mix. Yeah, let me arts. let me add some knees and some elbows in there. No, no, we can't have that. No, we can't. No, come on. This is no. This is strictly strictly the gentleman's sport of boxing, Grant. You you and Brian Urlacher, I think uh, you've given up a lot of size. I think you could do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm in. AK, if you could box a celebrity and get paid a bunch of money, who would you box? Ryan Reynolds. You pick of the litter. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Why? Reynolds. Ooh. I just don't like him. Ooh, good one. <laughs> I mean, I should just say I don't, don't like him. him. I just, he seems like Why a super like nice. Reynolds? He seems like a super nice guy. All, all the interviews I've ever seen on him, everything I read about him, super nice guy. Fellow Canadian boy. Maybe there's a little Canadian Canadian jealousy. I acknowledge that. I admit it. Uh, I don't like his movies. I just don't like his movies. And if I could, if I could, if, if me beating him in a fight would prevent you don't another like Deadpool, I hate the Deadpool movies. Go ahead, go ahead, YouTube comments, guys in the comments, come at me, come at me. I don't like the Deadpool movies. They're dumb and not dumb in a fun way. I don't like them. So that would be the stakes. If I beat him, uh, he's not allowed to make any more Deadpool movies. So there'd be a lot on the line. And that motivation would really push me over the top. There's no way I'd lose that fight. 
Grant, who would you fight? What celebrity? If you had the pick of the litter, who are you fighting? I fight cele- any celebrity. Yeah, it could be like a celebrity. It could be an athlete, a reality TV star, somebody outside of MMA and outside of, I guess, like boxing. Like they were like, Grant, you get to pick any celebrity to fight. Who are you picking? Chris Hemsworth. Ooh, Thor. <laughs> wow. Why? Yeah. Why him? Because my wife thinks he's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I would, I would pick, I think because he's got a huge name. He's a big guy. Uh, and I think he's Thor. I want to prove I'm worthy. I love it. All right. Well, that was a fun way to end regulation. The point for round four goes to. Grants the Thor Dominator Dawson. It is two to two. So that means we go to the knockout round. We have categories. We're going to do this. This is how it works. We're going to ask one question to each of these individuals. They'll have 60 seconds to give their answer. And then once that is done, there will be a poll on MMAfighting.com's YouTube channel. You'll be able to see it. And you get to vote on who you think won the matchup. Is it AK or is it Grant the Thor Destroyer Dawson? So, AK, I'm going to let you choose. Do you want to go first or do you want to open one of the magic boxes first and have Grant go first? Oh, Mike, I know it's been a while since I've done a proper one-on-one matchup, but uh, you know I always go first. So bring it on. Okay. So the theme of this, AK, is buy or sell. Buy or sell. We have three categories. You could choose one, two, or three. Uh, Give me number three. Number three. So buy or sell, AK. Juliana Pena recently said that she should be fighting Amanda Nunes in the trilogy fight next. Her next fight should be getting the opportunity to get that one back. She did pull off the huge upset, but then she got thoroughly dominated in the rematch. And we just found out Raquel Pennington is fighting Caitlin Vieira in January. So buy or sell that Juliana Pena's next fight should be against Amanda Nunes in the trilogy fight. One minute on the clock. Go. Should be. You know, I'll go. I'll go by. I'll go by. It's not my favorite option. But some of the reasoning is there. I'm, I'm always torn when Juliana Pena comes out and makes some of these statements because, I, I, for one thing, I love how aggressive she is with pushing her career. You have to be that way in the UFC. I don't know. People might not like it sometimes. People not like the way she expressed herself sometimes. But hey, it got her a title shot. It got her the UFC title. She won it. She beat Amanda Nunes Baron Square in that first fight. So congrats to her. And then she was tough as hell in the second fight, even though a clear win for the Lioness. But uh, I like her reasoning, too, that Amanda Nunes kind of takes a lot of time off between fights. And Juliana gave her an immediate rematch. Now, Amanda Nunes had earned that, of course. One of the most dominant, you know, the most dominant um, uh, women's bantamweight champion we've ever seen. But at the same time, it's like... Does that give her uh, an excuse to now take time off? I don't think so. Uh, I think some of Pena's things about like, oh, I'm the better fighter because she had to adapt is a bit silly. Um, That's kind of how fighting works. Your opponent, you should adapt. That makes you great. But I have no issue with her fighting uh, Amanda Nunes sooner rather than later. All right. There's AK's answer. We go over to Grant. Grant, you have 
two options to choose from. You could choose option one or option two. What would you like to go with? Let's go number one. Ooh, interesting, because this just happens to be in your division. So recently, Justin Gaethje did an interview with MMAfighting.com, and what he said was he just had successful nose surgery. He's coming back in 2023, and he believes that right now, as it stands, he is two or three wins away from getting back to a world title fight. So buy or sell that Gaethje is two or three wins away from getting back to a UFC lightweight title fight. One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. I'm 100% in, man. Justin Gaethje has never fought anybody outside of the top 10 at the time, I believe. I don't think he's running from anybody. I think that he's one of those guys that anybody, anytime, anywhere, and he's never out of a fight, ever. Uh, I know he didn't have the greatest performance against Charles Oliveira, which is very understandable because of how good Charles Oliveira is. I think one, maybe two fights, he for sure could be back in the title contention. And let's not forget that every time that he has come off of a loss, he has come back not only better, but looking different. He's a lot more, he's, he's doing more damage and he's finishing guys that usually finished. I think that he's super dangerous. I think that he's those guys that could break through and be a world champion at any time. Not to mention, I just want to see the dude fight 24-7. He's one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC. I'm definitely down for him beating uh, Fazeev, beating these guys, and, and getting the title shot. Now he has to do that first, and he has to do it impressively, which I think he will. All right, well, we'll see if that physique fight happens. Uh, I know it was, it was rumored for December 10th. Not the case. Not happening. Justin's not going to be ready. He wants to fight next year. Uh, maybe that's a fight that, that happens, but he's eyeing sort of the fights that happened at UFC 280, the loser of the title fight, the winner of the Benil Gamra fight, the winner of Poirier Chandler, so forth and so on. So all of those would be fun fights. Uh, but I asked that, I put that question in there because when we posted that article the amount of people who have just turned their backs on justin gaethje is just unbelievable this this is a guy that everybody was picking to beat charles Oliveira for the most part and then he goes out has Oliveira badly hurt has a great fight it's even though the fight was stopped in the first round still one of the most exciting fights of the year and everyone is like turned on justin gaethje feels like he's He's washed or whatever was was a quote i saw a bunch of times come on people you're all killing me but now it's time to vote. You could vote. Is it going to be Grant Dawson? Is it going to be AK? Who's going to get this one done? Programming alert tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. Another episode of Heck of a Morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. We'll have a preview show tomorrow for UFC Vegas 62. Not really sure what time that's going to happen, but it is going to happen. And then Saturday, people's pre-fight show right before the event starts. We'll have a post-fight show. We'll have on to the next one as well on Sunday. And then it's all points heading towards Abu Dhabi and UFC 280 and I cannot wait for that so Casey on the ones and twos how are we looking here do I have to stall anymore or are we good I think we're good I think we have I think we have enough votes in I think we're good all right all right Casey who wins oh boy hold on hold on your winner on today's Between the Links is with 61% of the votes, 
AK Lee. Wow. Wow. I'll AK gets a ton. I'll take it. All right. A lot of Chris Hemsworth fans out there. A lot of Chris Hemsworth fans yes. out there. Did not. <laughs> I think that's where it got away. I thought you were Dunzo uh, when you said the Deadpool line, but apparently there's a lot of well, people know that Deadpool is uh, is trash. So, um, no, and also listen, uh, this is this is Grant's first time on the show. In fair, I do have I do have an existing BTL fan base, and I, I really appreciate their support. Uh, I actually I will say Grant had me thrown off from the beginning because I when I was kind of joking like name the names the guys he who uh, he wanted to fight and that those matchups didn't happen. I thought he wouldn't do it. And then as soon as he did it, I was like, oh, oh, it's that kind of, oh, we're playing prison rules now. Like, it, I was totally thrown off. So I forgot this man is as as intelligent and savvy on the microphone as he is on the mat. So uh, my hat tip to, to Grant, because I, I was honestly, I felt off the whole, I felt off the whole show from there. I was, I was on defense the whole time. Well, congratulations, AK. Grant, I appreciate you jumping on. Admirable debut. You'll definitely be asked back. Uh, any final words for the peeps? Any, you want to shout out social media, stuff like that? The floor is yours, my man. Uh, yeah, just everybody tweet the UFC and tell them to get me a fight. So that's about <laughs> it, man. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Congratulations to Alex. Uh, let's get some sparring rounds in. Uh, Ooh, I like that. Oh, okay. There we go. He called my bluff. He called my bluff. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. Casey, you can hit the exit music. We are done. AK, congratulations on the victory. Maybe you can lure Jed Mishu out of retirement, AK. He's washed. Washed. Don't worry about it. Ooh. Him. Don't worry Clip about it. Clip this him. off, Casey. Clip it <laughs> off. Tag him. Bait, bait, bait. So thank you, AK. Thank you, Grant, for jumping on. Thank you to Casey on the ones and twos. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. We'll see you back here once again next week. Between the links, getting you ready for UFC 280. I am Mike Hack. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links. Congratulations, AK Lee. You beat Grant Dawson. Unbelievable. It was a robbery, by the way. <laughs>